Welcome once again to another episode of the Random Access Podcast, brought to you by RIPodcast.net. This is episode 298, recorded live on Sunday, March 10th, 2013. And here are your hosts, the man who's still not going to have to worry about calling somebody Dave in this podcast, Dave Play. Hey! The man who's still going to have issues with the name Dave, Andy Lohi. And our guest this week, the man who's back again to troll me for an hour because he's named Dave, Dave Schrader. Hello, Andy. Hello, Dave. Hello, Dave. Hello, Andy. Hello, oh. Dave. Other Dave. I no, that's what we agreed about. Dave. Well, you're the primary Dave. He could be the secondary Dave. Ouch. Dave, are you going to take that? I'm just happy to be on the show with you, gentlemen. Aww. It's been almost a year. It has. I was looking what? at it, I was like, yeah, he was episode 249. It's It's been a year. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah, because uh, it was right before PAX East last year. I swear you were on just like three months ago talking about your, your game. No, it's been a year. No, yeah, the, full, the, the cycle ended up being about a year. Um, it, uh, it, it takes time to make a game, apparently. <laughs> yeah, it's a funny thing to say that. Okay, so let, let, let's start with this. Dave, how was your game? Last we, we talked, you had kind of the outline of an RPG. You were going yeah, to take so, it to PAX East uh, to show it off. We, a year ago, we took it to PAX East, and then uh, we created it. And two weeks ago, it came out. Uh, so it's available for purchase. It's, it's selling. Uh, people that are buying it are enjoying it. And we're getting into the convention cycle now. Uh, so we're going to be at PAX East again. Nice. Gen Con? Uh, we're looking to do Gen Con, yes. Yes, I, I have I have tickets. Um, a lot of it just depends on how things go at PAX itself. Uh, but at any of the local conventions we're hoping to go to, uh, I'm also very connected to the anime convention scene and the Renaissance Fair scene. So we're going to be able to sell the books uh, at, I guess atypical venues, which fits the uh, light and flexible nature of the book itself. So, Dave, did you have a ch- Shut up. <laughs> this is going to be so annoying. It's okay. I can work off context clues. Yeah, I, I think we've got it. It's okay, Andy. <sighs> I'm doing a face palm right now on myself. Dave Play. Yeah. Have you had a chance to read through? I I have had a chance to skim through, but not read through. Okay. I actually that was that was my thing this morning. I was either going to listen to the previous podcast to try and figure out how where to go, or to actually just read the game. Which did you do? I read the game. Cool. How'd you like it? I I thought it was really nice. Side note: Who is your artist? For the uh, book? We have we have two primary artists. Uh, the the person who did the chapter illustrations is uh, Sean Selya. Uh, he also did uh, any of the logo work. Uh, he's great. And the uh, person who did the uh, adversary art and a lot of the just uh, various pictures is Crystal Khan. Um, and uh, she's also great to work with. Uh, Corey Holmes did the cover illustration. Uh, I can actually throw up their tumblers and stuff, uh, get them to you for the show notes. Sure. But uh, I, I love working with all those artists. Um, and actually, all of them are people I met through PAX. So, and who thought been, PAX was going to be such a networking? <laughs> it's been I very mean, good for 60, me. 60,000 nerds all with common interests. What do you think is going to happen, Andy? True. Yeah. I guess that's I guess the first thing to to point out is that we did hit our kind of 50-page uh, approximate goal. Um 48 because of binding restrictions and uh that's what allowed you to read it in one morning. 
Well, I just, it, it seemed very simple. Granted, the last couple of pages were all just villains, yep. so it wasn't that hard to get through that section. It's like, oh, fire demon, oh, ogre, oh, classic. Yeah, and that's really what we aimed for, uh, just... Uh, very quick stuff to get through, um, knowing that there's enough behind the scenes so that people look at it. And if someone says there's not enough um, big creatures, then we already have the rules to make big creatures. There's not enough complicated mechanics. There's enough in there to build more complicated mechanics. That's what I loved how you gave sections in there. It's like, well, these are just examples. You can create your own attacks. You can yeah. create your own enemies. You can create your own stuff. Yeah, and it, and it really, the, the thing uh, in all the demos, because at this point I've given out hundreds of demos, the, a, a lot of people have resistance to that for the first couple minutes. They're like, I, I'd really like to have a list of skills to pick from. And I say, well, what are you thinking of? Is, it, is your character like Link? Is he like Mario? Is he like Master Chief? Is he like Pac-Man? Those are actually... All examples that came to me during conventions, by the way. You know, is he a talking squirrel or is it a mermaid? <laughs> and then from there, we, we build out uh, abilities and skills and what they're good at. You know, running, jumping, climbing trees. All right, all right. All right. Uh, Pac-Man, really? Pac-Man was an hey, incredible character. His, uh, his signature attack was if the enemy was low enough on health, he could uh, be one-shotted. <laughs> <laughs> and he did extra damage to uh, ghosts. And he had just, like, a bunch of uh, hunger thematic attacks that were... It, it was very trippy, especially it's... You don't really want to think of Pac-Man in any kind of realistic sense uh, because it, it becomes frightening that this giant mouth is cruising around eating ghosts and power pellets. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, it was, it was a fun character. Um, it was at MAGFest, actually. That was a blast. So, what has changed... Over the previous year? Uh, well, with the book itself, um, the obviously the, the mechanics are all nailed down. Uh, we have a core group of people who are working on website content. Uh, so one of the things that's going to be happening is... We're still nailing down the frequency. I mean, we only launched two weeks ago. Uh, but we're going to be coming out with sample encounters. So w- one of the criticisms has been that we talk about 99% fantasy in the book. Uh, and that's a fair criticism. But we just we had to pick something and go with it so that it could be quick. If we were going to talk about sci-fi and steampunk and low-tech, uh, then the book would have just ballooned. So we're going to fill out that need by having content online. Uh, so that's one of the things that's changed. I, I guess another thing is that we settled on fantasy for all of our core examples. Um, yeah, I just noticed it, that. It, you did, didn't you? I mean, yeah, it makes I, it easier to read through. It makes exactly, it easier to have it was that a, theme. Exactly. It was a conscious decision. Um, and just in, in doing the conventions, I mean, maybe this was a bias to the conventions I was going to. But uh, most people just they, they, they gravitate towards the fantasy the quickest. I don't think it's an accident that the, the biggest um, RPGs are fantasy-based. Uh, I, I think it's just people want to fight dragons. Yeah. And fighting dragons is – it's easier to scale down what you understand and just add in fantasy. So I fight with a sword or I throw a quote-unquote fireball. How does that work? doesn't matter. It's magic. Uh, as opposed to science fiction – where a lot of those games end up being a little bit more mathy, and all of a sudden you don't want to just explain everything with an anomaly. So that's always been my rationale. That said, we're working on uh, other settings, and uh, it's it's very exciting uh, the, uh, being in the beginning of the next project already. I guess the biggest thing that changed is that there's a book. <laughs> like, there's actually a, a physical <laughs> material that is distributed and sold. 
It's true. I, I do have to say, though, looking over this, my favorite part of the book was just the basic attributes for the characters. Because I know I've attributes. spent with... Attributes, attributes. No, no. To attribute is a verb. Attributes? Attributes. Okay. I was going to go with a tomato potato, but anyway. No, in, in this case, to attribute is, is to give credit. Fine. Attributes. There you go. The attributes of the char- in the character creation. I when I read that section, I thought that was brilliant because it's five attributes, fifteen <clears throat> points, so you can just throw the points out if you wanted to. Yeah, you just go five to one, five down to one, your best to your worst, and the math just works out. That was actually a happy accident in a revision after packs. That originally uh, the stat pool was bigger, but the way that the math broke, everyone ha- had stats that, that were a little bit too high, so the decision-making wasn't as important. So to make everything more interesting and the math easier, we lowered the stat pool, and all of a sudden you had this one-to-five thing that was uh, great to write about and really easy to explain. It, it makes the character creation uh, demo very simple. We have it down to, uh, I can give the spiel and have someone who has never played a table tabletop game before. They can make a character in, in 30 minutes or less. And we'll be doing that all weekend at PAX East. Nice. I, oh, man, that, that's a very happy accident. I, when I first did that, I'm like, wait, that can't work. And I actually had to do the math, like five. Five plus five plus five. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm a programmer, so I'm kind of a math guy. So that, that stuff, after a while, I, I see it, and then I feel very good about myself. So, who's, what type of basic sci-fi things would you be going for in your expanded basic book? Well, the next uh, product we're looking into, and I say looking into because uh, we just launched something and we're looking at what the, what the consumer demand is, what the people who bought the book uh, want to see next. Um, there's going to be settings, there's going to be adventures, there's going to be other adversaries. It's really, what, what would people like to have in a physical uh, version? And so what we're leaning towards is a compendium of adversaries, because right off the bat, that gives us monsters and villains. It allows us to throw out more adversary abilities for people creating their own, again, monsters and villains. It also allows us to start to touch on the settings and genres without just having an entirely uh, fluffy book. So, so that is to say, not as, if we publish just a settings book, there would be no mechanics. It wouldn't be as uh, interesting for people who, who are more of the wargaming type. But we can come out with an adversary book, have a hundred creatures in there, but also talk about where the creatures came from, how they attack in combat, what their motivations are. And for, like, let's say something like a werewolf. We get to have an entry on a werewolf. We know what he's doing. But we also get to say, well, if you're running a steampunk or a science fiction game, this is how the werewolf might appear. Uh, now, I bring all that up because now that we're getting into the science fiction, the, the next piece is coming out with a book that is about adversaries, we get to throw in science fiction adversaries, uh, and you'll get to see the stuff that we're thinking of and how they interact. But I guess I'll say that I'm hedging uh, my bet on exactly what, what setting we coalesce on. All right, while you were speaking of that, I actually remember the question I wanted to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little confused about boons. Okay. Instead of leveling, you get boons? 
Yeah, so one of the things we did to just remove charts and keep with the, the basic uh, theme of the game for it to be simple and the mechanical design of the game for everything to be linear. So a speed buff is worth as much as, much as a damage buff, for instance. Mm-hmm. So we did all, we accomplished all of those by just having boons. When you complete an adventure, instead of getting some arbitrary amount of experience or an automatic level up or, or something else, You'll just receive a boon. Now, if that adventure was to fight through the the, the evil duke's castle to rescue the princess, uh, and partially through that adventure you stumble across an armory that has some weapon upgrades in it, you might get your longsword plus one or a bow plus one. If you go through an adventure that's mostly uh, dialogue and intrigue, you'll gain reputation uh, with the count plus one. Uh, if you all work together well, you'll learn the value in friendship, plus one. Now, how that works in-game, but now that you have the boon in the next section, if you have that plus one sword, you can use that bonus for uh, for damage or accuracy, or you can use it in conjunction with one of your special attacks, so there's an open-ended nature there. Uh, for the reputation, if you needed, if you were bargaining for an item in a shop and you had this reputation, you'd be added, you'd be able to add it to a bargaining roll. And for the friendship one, you know, if you're really good friends with this other rogue and you've fought together a lot, you have this boon, it's basically, it, it would work as a flank um, in the uh, Dungeons & Dragons wording. But my only issue, well, I know that being a GM, you could, you know, mess with the XP tables in D&D <laughs> on your own no matter yep. what, but it seems like it... Uh, <laughs> I am fearful of the game where the GM just kind of throws these things out willy-nilly. Yeah. Well, see, here's the thing, is that it's all based on the pacing of of the campaign. And so if you're only meeting once a month to play with these people, throwing out one or even two boons is not a huge deal. Yeah. And it's... If you have a weekly game, you might not give it to them every time. Exactly. But what it allows the, the, the GM to do is reward the players when they hit those milestones. So you don't have those situations where you fight through your nine and a half encounters because you had to run away from one, you beat the big bad guy, and everyone is at level (laughs) 5.96. And so the adventure ends, and the party's like, well, we beat the dragon. I feel pretty good about that. I got some items. I was kind of hoping to hit level 6. Could we fight a rabbit? Those experience, right? <laughs> Can I just go out and farm? Yeah, and and so uh, and a lot of people, even in um, uh, Pathfinder D and D three three point five fourth edition, you start to you have all these experience charts, but a lot of GMs don't use them literally. Yep. So they just they build in some bonuses so that you can reward players for when they are finding all this great stuff and they're doing the combat awesome. But even if they missed a couple things, you don't punish them. So we looked at all that and found that you just have all these piles of charts and rules that at the end of the day, you just want to reward a player when they've done something awesome. And we said, well, here's a mechanic that takes two paragraphs to explain, and you can just do it whenever you want. So if you want to make super powerful characters that have so many boons it breaks the game, but people have fun killing dragons, you can do that. Um, And if you want to have non-combat boons because if it's more of a, uh, again, a dialoguing or intrigue-based campaign, you can do that, too, with the same mechanic. Hmm. All right, I get it now. Mm-hmm. As soon as you pointed out the fact that it's like, well, if you beat the bad guy and you don't level up, then... Yeah, I've played a lot of D&D. I love Dungeons & Dragons, and I think when everyone is familiar with the system, it works great. 
it just became exhausting to teach those idiosyncrasies to people over and over and over again. Yep. So, brand new group of players, brand new DM, people who've never done this sort of thing before, can they just pick up this book and go? They can. they need some time to prepare? Uh, uh, well, hopefully the DM has read the book. Um, even if he hasn't, you can probably get through. There's actually only about 20 pages of rules, so the complexity is, is that about of Dominion the card game. Uh, there is an example quest in the book. There are example creatures in the book. And there are sample characters that are ready to go. So if a DM and five of his friends just buy the book and want to play at that moment, they can. Uh, if the GM takes uh, probably 20 minutes to read through the rules because of using the sample characters, you don't even have to go through the character creation rules, uh, just the combat ones. And a lot of the stuff is intuitive. It's right on the character sheet. Uh, the book comes with a cheat sheet that explains character creation and all combat mechanics on one page. And then all that stuff is then again available for download on the website. So if you purchase the digital version or, you know, your DM bought the book and you're not even going to get to see him for a week, he gives you a link. That link is lightweightrpg.com slash downloads. He gives you that link and you say, oh, here's a character. I'm just going to be an archer and this is kind of how combat works. I'm sure he'll explain the rest. And uh, so, yeah, absolutely. Uh, if a group has never played before, uh, they can jump right in. Now, it is a relatively complex game in the, in the context of all games ever created. So if all you've ever played is Monopoly, it might take a little bit to get into. Um, but, I mean, I, I picked up Dungeons & Dragons when I was 12 years old, personally. So I know if there's the desire to play, people can actually sorry, absolutely do it. And that aside, even if you use every rule incorrectly or disregard everything in the book... If everyone has fun and uh, enacts things consistently, the game works fine. This is awesome. I, I can't wait to actually like try and run uh, or have someone run. I don't know if I'll be the one doing it, but do a session of this. This this looks fun. Yeah, it, it works great for one-offs. Uh, that's one of the things we found, too. And that's one of the reasons that I built it, that a, a bunch of my friends were just hanging around online. Like, oh, I want to play Dungeons & Dragons. It takes an hour to make a character. Eh, let's not do that. And it was, well, actually, I have this other game that I've been kicking around. Let's try it out. And then we were able to make characters pretty quick and then just jump right in. Uh, and it, it ballooned from there. Did you, I know where we talked about trying to do playtesting over the internet. Did you actually do that? Yeah, we ran several campaigns um, and, and had other people just jump in through Google Hangout. Uh, probably half of our playtesting was done through Google Hangout. How well does this work without having... It works a, incredibly. Without having a physical board? It works incredibly. So in the Andy, Andy you, you basically just asked the creator of a game, is it good? <laughs> well, and here's one of the reasons that, that we needed this rule set. Actually, the... Like, the tools were already in place, but uh, and there are other games that do this, but I, I, I felt there was one that could be created even better for online play. And in the beginning, we were just using Google Documents. So we would use an Excel spreadsheet, create a grid out of it. Uh, everyone would share it, log into the same spreadsheet, and then over Skype, explain their actions. And so you'd say, okay, I moved my fighter a few spaces, and then you'd uh, change the color from one square on the spreadsheet, tap, 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 change the color on the new position... <laughs> And then the blue square would attack the red square, which is a dragon, um, over Skype. Uh, now we have Google Hangouts and uh, tools like Roll20 that allows you to draw and show a uh, virtual game board. And people can be moving around their avatars right on the screen. Everyone can see it. Uh, there's rollers built into it. And it, uh, it works great. It's definitely like, playing tabletop RPGs on Google Hangout is the next best thing to being able to roll with your friends. Hmm. I have never actually tried doing anything on Google Hangout. 
Well, Andy, if you had been online last Thursday, you would have been able to do that because we did our classic game night. On Google Hangout? Yeah, with mm-hmm. the screen sharing. So that means I would have actually had to break out my camera. No, with the screen sharing. There was no there was no camera. Oh, so it was just, just a bunch of Yeah, screens. Google Hangout can lock it onto a, a window. So actually, we just had the like ZSNES or uh, any of the NES emulators or whatever broadcasting. Hmm. Yeah, I love Google Hangout. Oh, Google, what will you do next? That's a very good question. So you have this game, and it's available in PDF form. That's right. And book form. That's right. Any other versions, or is that did I cover the two of them? Uh, if you find me on the street, I can give you the verbal version, where I, I talk to you at length about the game. Um, but that's a rare commodity. Uh, so Dave, what I need you to do is hunt down the other Dave. <laughs> <laughs> if I were to go to PAX East, I would, but alas. Yeah, but I guess that's true. We'll be dishing out the oral version of the game all weekend at PAX East. But yeah, it's a, we have the PDF version. We have the physical version. Uh, they're both available through DriveThruRPG. Uh, there's a link on our website, lightweightrpg.com. Uh, if you Google lightweightrpg, you'll get to the, the, the sales link in not too many clicks. And if you get a physical and the digital version, uh, then the digital version is half off. Uh, one of the great things about buying the digital, besides the fact that you can just have it on your tablet as a virtual book uh, or your phone, is that if we find a rata we need to do, we're able to update our digital version, and then you're given an email from DriveThru saying, oh, Lightweight RPG has, uh, has had an update. So you know right off the bat to download the new version. Also, if we want to add things such as new sample creatures, uh, maps for stuff, we can add that into the digital packet, uh, and then again, uh, when it's updated, you are informed that there was an update. Nice. Best of both worlds. Are you seeing that most people are buying the the digital version rather than the actual physical version? Uh, We sell – it might be 50-50. I I don't know what the stats are at this precise moment. But there was more digital sales than I expected. Um, I I think just – and a lot of that are people that use DriveThruRPG. They enjoy picking up indie RPGs. And so when mine came out, it actually jumped right up to the top ten for like the indie list on their page. And so I think that got a, a lot of just general hobbyists to pick up the book. And if they were going to do that, the, the cheapest and quickest way to get it is uh, the digital download. So. Well, wow. I am very excited for this. I would like to try this out. I, I'm very curious, what are the stats for the pirate monkey that's on the cover? <laughs> we don't actually have the pirate monkey blocked out. Uh, I, I think that's a huge flaw. Dang, that, that's falling down. Come on. I know. We, we have Srothgar the Herbarian statted out. Which but one's the, that one? one of the example characters in the book. Okay. Pirate uh, monkey, man. Pirate monkey. I know. I know. Um, no, we don't, we don't have the, the, the cover characters statted out at this time. Oh. <sighs> But it would only I, take about ten minutes to do it. <laughs> that is true. It, it's pretty straightforward to create a character. So, like Andy, pirate, that can be your your little project is create the pirate monkey character and just submit it. <laughs> I, would you like me to do other things for the podcast first, Dave? Yes. There you go. Yes. Since I'm still waiting on your D and D character and Brendan's and Bre- and Julie's. Well, if you guys uh, need a system that's quicker to play, <laughs> I recommend the lightweight role playing game. Really. It's true, I do recommend it. (laughs) 
I can't imagine why. Here's, here's a serious comment on that. Um, if your group wants to jump onto Google Hangout uh, for one hour, two hours, three hours, uh, I can put together a quest for you, and we can do the character creation uh, in one evening. That's yeah. tempting. Yeah, and that can be done, in, like I said, in as quickly as an hour and a half. Like, if people just wanted to try it out, uh, that's we make characters that takes probably 30, 45 minutes. Uh, if everyone is new, and then we run through an encounter or two, so it's not too much of a time commitment. Hmm. We'll have to send out another email to the group. Yeah, Thanks, and, guys. And again, it's it's uh, another great thing is if the, you have anyone uh, that's kind of on the fringe of your group hasn't been able to really jump into D anD. d This is uh, an attempt can be an attempt to reel them back in. Well, I think everybody's done D anD. d in our group, haven't they? Well, then they should be able Pretty to pick much. up this game. Yeah, not everyone, but most of them. But yeah, I'd love to, to run a demo for you guys. Well, Dave, I would. Uh, we'll see if we can work something out. Uh, Main Dave, do you have anything else? <laughs> I, I'm good. I'm excited about this, Dave. This this looks fantastic. You did, you guys did a great job. Thank you. I almost want to now I just buy it in hardback. Well. So, actually, I, I do have a question. Mm-hmm. What's next? So, uh, we have the adversary book that I talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a prototype card game that I actually got to like the 90% finish point in the middle of the summer and other stuff came up. <laughs> I, I have the cards right on my desk here. Uh, it, it's a, it's a, play, it's a ca- playable card game that we're going to have at PAX. It's not going to be, um, I'm going to say advertised heavily, but if anyone knows to ask for it, uh, we will gladly give you a, a, a demo and play test for it. Uh, and it's a uh, a card game, but it's a it's a racing game where you are outfitting your vehicle uh, with weapons to eliminate the other players uh, or collect all of the trophies on a constantly changing and dynamically generated track. Hmm. Uh, so that's. Uh, that's very close. We're, we're looking to potentially kickstart that. Ooh. Uh, but I, I'm still. I want to have the game uh, mechanically crisp before we do a Kickstarter. And uh, again, we're, we're heavily involved in the Lightwood RPG Core rulebook. I have an Ouya dev kit, but due to <laughs> the lightweight RPG work uh, and other things, I actually uh, got engaged to Lisa over the new year. So that's been taking up my time as well. Well, congratulations, congratulations. on that. Thank you very much. Uh, so I've, I've had an Ouya in my closet since the new year. <laughs> have you let it out? Have you fed it? <laughs> I, I fed it a little bit of electricity and turned it on, and uh, it works. It's a very cool device. It's the size of a soda can. Whoa. Uh, saw the, the pictures on Mashable of Ouya. That was actually uh, my kit. Uh, I, I know some journalists there. I went up to their office, and they took pictures of it. Um, but uh, as much as I would love, love to give you guys a breaking story that I'm creating a game, uh, I don't think it's on the cards <laughs> for my immediate future. No pun intended. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Uh, yeah, so, it's the, so we have the card game, we have the other book, um, I have an Ouya, but I don't expect to have a game out uh, in the short term. I, I would love to get something out eventually, so we have uh, ideas that we're kicking around, but it just wasn't feasible with the other projects we had going on. Oh, now you've got me in a Kickstarter hole. <laughs> Andy, get off of Kickstarter. Love Kickstarter. Andy, get off of Kickstarter. I closed the window. Good. I think half of the things I've bought from Kickstarter are just weird replacements for my dice. <laughs> superfluous. Including dice made from antique wood, uh, dice which you can wear on your ring, and dice which are actually a deck of cards. Wait, dice that are a deck of cards? Yeah, uh, so one of the things, the Kickstarter just ended. Um, I, I assume he's going to uh, put it up for sale. I'll give you guys the link in the show notes. 
Uh, It's dice cards. There's 52 cards in the deck. And so it has the traditional card imprintings, but also 40 of the cards have a D20 on them. Uh, Most of them have a D6. There are HeroScape dice. There are little targeting uh, icons. There's uh, cardinal direction indicators. So if you have any role that you need to do in a game, you just, sh- you just shovel the deck real quick and draw a card. Dude. And there's also, like, heads and tails coins on them. Oh, man. I haven't told my fiancé about that purchase yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Lisa. It, it's fine. Andy has done uh, similar things. <laughs> yeah, I bought a car on eBay without, without telling her. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, go me. Well, that's incredible. Yeah, should we talk about something else other than that? We probably should. Hit, I mean, we've got a list of topics we, we might want to get to. Dave, as, as awesome as yourself is, um, hope you don't mind. We'll be moving on at this point. <laughs> I don't mind at all. I cool. have in front of me. So what should we talk about first? Well, we've got one out of the way, that lightweight RPG. Uh, how about the, the kind of big gaming news of the week? How SimCity is imploding on itself? Oh my god. Okay, so I've got SimCity. You actually bought and it, Dave. I, plan, I, I bought it. I pre-ordered it. And I actually plan on reviewing it next week when it's my turn to review. Uh, but, oh man, just painful, painful first week experience for Maxis and EA. I'm just kind of surprised that they were like, I was surprised that they were surprised at how many people were playing it. That's what they honestly said. It's like, we were surprised that... You have pre-orders. You can count them. How do you not assume that the majority of those people who pre-ordered the game will want to play the game in the first couple days? I don't know. It's Because it's, it wasn't even the first. So the, the game was released, and people who had pre-ordered it couldn't download it because the servers were so slammed. It's basically like Diablo 3 over again, where that first came out. It was Now, the comments all over the place were hilarious. Uh, you, you saw things on Reddit such as, Oh, welcome back, Error 37, my old friend. <laughs> um, there's an, there was a tutorial about the road density that Maxis posted to YouTube, and all the comments were like, how about the density of your servers? Hello. Um, it, it's just, you know, when you pre-ordered it, you could buy either the deluxe edition or the limited edition. And so people were saying, oh, I had no idea that when I was buying the limited edition, it was referring to the game's capabilities. Oh, this is what happens when you piss off nerds. On the internet. Yeah, this this was... So EA's response has been panic, panic, panic. Let's throw more money at it. Let's throw more servers on and hopefully get this taken care of. Oh shit, it's still crashing and still not working. Uh, They've gone to such extreme lengths such as removing cheetah speed. So there are three speed levels in the game. They removed the third speed level. Not only that, they removed most of the leaderboards, achievements, trophies. Like, they, they... they broke the game to try and fix it. They removed yeah. most of the non-critical... They, they, like, cut off half the game. <laughs> and it's still not working. It's still crashing. And the region stuff, which is so cool, is still not functional. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Why? Why? So now what they're doing is they're trying to buy people off. Yep. Saying, hey, we're sorry about this. Have a free game on us. I'm wondering if the free game is limited... I mean, it'll be like, here's a selection of games, pick one. They're all going to be a year and a half old. It's going to be on Origin only. Yeah, I actually was taking a uh, survey from Microsoft, and they're like, oh, you can pick a selection of Xbox 360 games. And I'm like, well, this is kind of curious. And they're like, none of these games are new. Yeah. It's like, you can pick Fable 3, or Forza 3, or Gears of War 3. 
Joy of Joys. Yay. I would have liked to have seen the, or I guess they haven't announced the games yet. I hope one of them that you can get for free on Origin is Spore, just so that EA can spit in their customers' eyes a little bit more. <laughs> They're not an evil company. <laughs> Usually, uh. I my take on this has been that it was a calculated risk, um, and it's you know as they say a good problem to have. Yep. yep. And Diablo three. I mean, uh, they're laughing all the way to the bank. Exactly. Diablo three proved that you can completely botch the launch, and it doesn't matter. Like the, Blizzard is making the expansion to Diablo three. Uh, I mean, for all the people who think that the game was a failure, it wasn't. It's, they sold millions no, it's of copies. Still out there. Are we just losing our attention span? Is that what's going on? No, no it's, it, it's flash anger, and then it fades away. Yeah, I mean, they do actually fix the game in a lot of cases. Uh, that's part of it. And it's also that there's a certain set of people that don't care that it's a problem, that, that there's the, the issues. And a lot of the incredibly vocal people never actually bought the game. That's always been the case, actually. Yeah. And that's one of the problems with Reddit, is you have a lot of people that are, oh, I, I'm never going to buy another EA again. And, oh, they're, and they're probably lying from, from two spectrums. A, they already don't buy any of their games. <laughs> <laughs> or B, they're always going to buy every game. Yeah. So It's like the, the people who say they're going to uh, boycott Blizzard games. No one's going to boycott a Blizzard game. Yeah. And you know what? Even if they do, just means less impact on the server for the rest of us. Exactly. It, it's yeah, but the sales for SimCity seem to be pretty good, so I, I don't expect anything to change in the in the future. Yeah, it's a shame that this happened, uh, especially con- considering that hilarious Reddit from a few months ago. I mean, the the thing that gets me the most is that they kept saying we're prepared, we know what we're doing, we know what to expect, we won't have any issues. If they just came out honestly and said we're pretty sure we're set, but you never know, and we could be completely overwhelmed. I don't think they have a choice. I, I think you have to go through the motions of saying the exact same. thing things uh, no matter what happens in the end from their uh, point of view yeah sucks so continue so, with video games yep remember how we talked about how uh jerry bruckheimer was starting up a video game company vaguely this was back in 2007 okay yeah it's closing wait but i i don't remember anything coming out of that studio that's because nothing came out of that studio how do you have a studio for six years and uh, the no product it's I, I, I don't know. I suddenly don't feel that bad about taking a year to publish an RPG. <laughs> One year for a 50-page book, six years for nothing. Trader Heavy Industries wins again. <laughs> what Congratulations, you're better than Jerry Bruckheimer. That's going on my gravestone. <laughs> better than Jerry Bruckheimer. <laughs> All those movies were just a flash in the pan. <laughs> God, six. What were you? What, like you hired people? And they just had them like sitting around for six years, going, mm, maybe we should do something. That's what they did. I mean, they just sat there with, I, I guess, their thumbs up their ass. I, I don't know. It's like it, maybe there were. Were there any outside investors in this company going, um, you guys, are you gonna do anything at any point? Or it's probably Jerry Bruckheimer with his millions of dollars just funding it himself. I think it was more of that. That said, I don't know if there's actually been an official press release yet. So maybe next week there will be more information. I don't. 
expect much information. I, I don't know what their – I actually don't know what their staff was or what their intentions were. Yeah, this was just – everybody was like, oh, Jerry Brockheimer started a video game company. And then nothing happened. And now For six years. Slowly, it's just, uh, I think we're closing the doors now. Oh, goodness. So, Valve. Yes. Steam. Yes. Remember, first off, a uh, cool little fact. Steam for Linux has already almost overtaken Steam for Mac. Interesting. Because but that's the, because the Mac users are just running it on Windows anyway. <laughs> that's probably true. Yay, Parallels. Yeah. Um, but so remember, recently it came out that Valve is is working on hardware, and that there were going to be those two flavors. There was the uh, in-house box and the, I, I guess, the outhouse box. Nice really wordage there, Dave. Better phrase for that. Yeah, that's. I don't know if that's intentional or not. Uh, but the the third party box, as it were. So the piston. Uh, I don't remember which one's the piston. The the one that was done by X thirteen is the piston, okay. or XI three, not X thirteen. Well, the the piston is supposed to be out by December, by the holidays, for a thousand dollars. If you pre-order it in the next week, it will only cost you nine hundred dollars. Well, it'll still cost you a thousand. You just might get a hundred back. I, oh, that's a heavy price tag. I mean, it's a PC. I think it's a really interesting niche. Uh, I love my entertainment PC. Uh, I don't. I don't think it would cost a thousand dollars to build, but it's certainly twenty times larger than a Steam than box. A Steam box, yeah. So, I, I mean, I think there's room for it. Uh, Depending on exactly what the Steam Box can do, it's going to be competing with a lot of different products that, uh, other than steaming, streaming games, also do the, the movies and the other media. Uh, and soon, some of the other products are going to probably be trying to stream from the computer, too. Yep. So that's the, the third-party Steam Box. The actual Steam Box is also supposed to be kind of in a prototype phase soon. And according to Gabe N., out in the next couple months... Hmm. Do you guys believe that? I'd believe it. I mean, there have been rumors it... about it for, what, like two years now, so I expect they've got something. But the... uh, How many months did you say? Uh, it, it just says months. So we'll see it at E3. Next few months. Well, when... it's for prototyping, I guess. Yeah, that, we'll see the prototype at E3. When's E3? June. Yeah. But we have to double-check this because it's Valve time. Yep. <laughs> that, that's why I said soon TM in the link description. I think they have a prototype. I think we'll get to see it. I mean, what he said has nothing to do with yeah. um, I mean, <laughs> releasing a, a box. <laughs> the thing is, they've got the, the like partnership with Sony and... You know, how's that going to work with this now that Sony's coming out with their own console? It, um, I don't know. This, I swear to God, in this industry, the video game industry, everyone is in bed with everyone else with a knife to their throats. Yeah, someone should tell Sony that the Steam Box already got the scoop on Diablo 3. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is crazy. I, what do you think about the supposed biometric controllers that Valve is looking into for the Valve, for the Steam Box? Wait and see what it actually is. It's not worth speculating. Could that just be a touchpad? Well, uh, the bio, um, some sort of, I don't know, heart rate detector? Nintendo tried that. They couldn't find a use for it. <laughs> and really, if Nintendo can't find a use for it, <laughs> it's really not much there. Yeah, that's very true. So, you know how we talked about Apple versus Samsung was over? Yeah. That Apple won and all that? Um, it's not over. It's not? No. 
Because the court has identified an impermissible legal theory on which the jury based its award and cannot reasonably calculate the amount of access while effectuating the intent of the jury, the court hereby orders a new trial on damages for the following products. So the judge took the ruling and then threw it out. No, it, it doesn't sound like it threw out the ruling, just the it, it's going to require another trial to determine the damages. Well, isn't that what the first trial was? I think the first trial was, was there damage? Okay. I so mean, the jury I said do not speak legalese. <laughs> However, I know a certain someone has a lot of uh, lawyers in his family. I know, and some of them listen to the show. Yep, really? Well, one of them does. Oh, crap. <laughs> I mean, oh, wonderful. Odd, but okay. So yeah, I guess, so they they are now going to do a new trial to figure out how much damages they actually need to get paid. So it still goes on. And on, and on. We didn't start the fight. I mean... So what else we got going on here? Oh, the White House and phone unlocking. Yes. So the Library of Congress, of all people, uh, made their ruling on the DMCA and whether or not unlocking phones is legal or illegal again. They said it is now illegal. And the White House, is, it's illegal without the permission of your carrier, we should specify. And someone put the petition on We the People, and it got enough signatures that the White House was required to respond. And the White House responded and said, we agree with you guys. This is stupid. The FCC agrees with all of us, too, because they're saying that they want to put a ruling in on it. They think there's a, uh, there's a bill in either the Senate or the House also right now because of this. So it seems everybody agrees with us, except AT&T, which is not really much of a surprise. Well, I mean, the iPhone was their, their flagship for so long. Without they, that, they're kind of dead. Yeah. Well, AT&T is assuming that the people are only angry about the ruling because they don't actually understand what jailbreaking is. In more words or less, they said that we're all clueless on this topic. I mean, it's moving it off of the carrier. It's not unlocking the phone. It's not rooting the phone. I think most of us, when wait you talk minute, about... Wait. When you say jailbreak, so I'm talking about unlocking phones, Andy, which is what yes. Library of Congress is talking about. Jailbreaking is... Is, is rooting it. Isn't that the same as unlocking? No. Maybe I am clueless on this You topic. are clueless on this. Unlocking the phone is saying I can put in T-Mobile's SIM card into my AT&T phone. Or vice versa. Right. Jailbreaking the phone is saying I'm going through Apple's security stuff and installing my own applications. Gotcha. Okay, you so I, pretty much don't need to jailbreak Android devices. No. You can root them, but you don't need to jailbreak them. Whereas unlocking, you still have to do that for an Android. Yeah, I have an unlocked... Droid 3 so that I could take it to Europe. Yep. I was swapping a different SIM card for... Yeah. I mean, the rest of the world works like that. Yep. And the bigger bigger insult to all this is that AT&T actually runs on a more global network. I don't have to tell you guys that. But because of their more blatant restrictions... A lot of people have world phones, and they're like, oh, AT&T runs on the same thing. It should be fine then. And then the networks end up not being cross-compatible because of additional restrictions AT&T has placed on their stuff. Yep. It's very annoying, especially when your cell phone doesn't have service, and you're like, oh, look, there's an AT&T network. I can roam on that. Nope. Nope. So, yes, many people are clueless about what unlocking phones are. However, that is not a reason why you shouldn't legalize it. Oh, it's just AT&T just whining about this because they're... A lot of people are clueless on the effect of a bullet on flesh. We still make it illegal to shoot people. 
Oh goodness! So Princess Leia, is Princess Leia, be... Carrie Fisher is coming back. This is this is like Mark Hamill has said yes. Uh, Harrison Ford has said yes. Carrie Fisher has said yes. Uh, there's a petition to get Billy D. Williams on. This well, is turning into a revival and not a sequel. Well, sometimes you need. I th- I think it's the fact that we were all excited for the prequels when they were first announced. I know I was. Were you excited for the prequels, Dave? I was very excited for the prequels. And then they came out, and we were all like, this is not the same. We wanted more of the originals. So I think this is now everybody's like, oh, they're doing more Star Wars movie. We want the originals. Let's get the original cast back. Let's do it all like we used to. That's what I'm thinking is what's going on. People, yeah, we got, except we got all old. <laughs> That's the problem. We can't put everybody in a cryogenic chamber. I mean, I assume the next trilogy is going to be like a generation later at least, right? That's what well, the current... in order for it to be a generation later, a couple of them have to have kids. Well, <laughs> there's at least two kids in canon. There's, in fact, three kids in canon from Han and Leia. But are they going to do that? Is this going to continue the canon? Is this going to continue the expanded universe? Or are we going to get something completely new and different? Jeez, I, I, I feel... I, I mean, I'm going to watch whatever... They, oh, actually, we all maybe are. Maybe I won't. Maybe I won't. Oh, bullshit! That's like I didn't watch, on Reddit. Eh, I didn't bother You'll seeing watch any it. of the prequel stuff when it was re-released. You'll watch it. I also didn't buy it on Blu-ray. I bought the old ones on Laserdisc. Okay. You're still going to watch You are telling me you are not going to go to the, the I will, theater I will at least, $15 I will, to watch Star Wars. Um, I will at least watch Episode Seven in 2D. If they even release it in 2D. If they release it in 3D, I won't bother. Really? Yeah, I, I'm one of those people that, that the 3D gives me a headache. Oh. Um, so I stopped. Uh, that said, uh, I don't know if you guys caught the news that Disney canceled their re-releases of future 3D remakes. Because they're not doing well. Because they weren't doing great. I, I, I think it's, I, I think we're getting towards the end of 3D being a requirement. Well, the, you can even look at that with uh, CES that happened. The number of 3D televisions and 3D information was a pittance compared to what it was a year ago, two years ago. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to, to, to stray into the 3D thing. But yeah, I, I mean, it's... I, I don't know. I didn't bother seeing the new Indiana Jones, so it's hard to say. Well, you didn't miss much with the new Indiana Jones. Exactly. Indiana Jones. <laughs> exactly. Still can't believe they're trying to do another one after that. <laughs> yeah. Well, but that said, I I, I kind of hope they stay uh, with the um, accepted expanded universe. I mean, not that it's all exp- accepted, but the 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 solo twins are pretty accepted. I think. But the, I mean, they'll do whatever they do, and then we'll see what they make. But if I mean Han Solo and uh, Leia are going to be that old, then I imagine they will have kids or grandkids. How far into the future does the current canon universe go? About 30-plus years from uh, Battle of Endor. Okay. Because I know I've gotten gotten a bit into the future with the canon, but I don't know how far it's gone since I haven't read anything in a while. Yep. I, I think the thing is, at this point, like the logical sequels would be the Thrawn trilogy. Yes. The original Star Wars books, the original expanded universe. And I don't think that they're going to do it, because if they were, I think we would have heard by now that Timothy Zahn had sold the movie rights. Yeah. I mean, also... And, well, it's assuming he ever had the movie rights. Yeah. I mean, I guess that the, the fact of the matter is that the original cast is now a generation too old for those, I think. If I'm not mistaken. Well, okay, I mean, but look at what they did with Jeff Bridges in Tron. I really like that, so... Yeah, they can do it they want. I still haven't actually seen the Neutron movie. Uh, just for that visual effect of what they did with Jeff Bridges. That, that's awesome. 
that they used old footage of him to overlay digitally his his face. That just seems crazy. All right, looks like everything out there is saying it's not the Thrawn trilogy. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> well, hopefully it's good. Yep. We'll just have to wait and see. And yes, we're probably all going to go watch it anyway. Yeah. Are you, are you going to go see the new Star Trek movie? Yes. Okay. Are you not? I don't know. I might have to go see it on my own. Kate was not a, a fan? No. No. Okay. None. Okay. So, should we, uh, we're running out of time. Okay. Um, so, I think we've hit all the topics on there. Oh, other than the fact that PETA is upset with Ubisoft over Assassin's Creed 4. Why? Because there's whaling. Oh, no. A part of history in a video game. <laughs> I know. Something that's historically somewhat accurate in an Assassin's Creed game? What? So, yeah, I mean, PETA Ubisoft came out. Ubisoft is a, a French company anyway. Yeah. Pretty sure they aren't going to give a fuck what PETA says. Well, they actually, res- which is the problem, is they actually responded to PETA. Oh, no, don't do that. Uh, well, okay, so this is what they said. History is our playground in Assassin's Creed. In Assassin's Creed 4, uh, let's see, Assassin's Creed 4 is a work of fiction that depicts the real events during the golden era of pirates. We do not condone illegal whaling, just as we don't condone a pirate lifestyle of poor hygiene, plundering, hijacking ships, and over-the-legal-limit drunken debauchery. (laughs) Okay. Peter's response? Well, they haven't given one to that response yet. Okay. They They got into the news for March, so they're good. Yep, yep. I mean, on the other hand, on, on the other side of this, Ubisoft is probably celebrating the fact that PETA is giving them free publicity. And that they had such a snappy comeback. When I when I read that headline, I cracked up for a few minutes straight. Because it was just, the, the, we do not condone whaling just as we do not condone a pirating lifestyle. It was just the best <laughs> comeback yeah, it, 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 done. I mean, it, it's the perfect actual comeback, right? It refutes the premise and makes it look incredibly stupid in the first place. Yeah. Oh, which I'm I'm kind of I'm I know I'm not glad that Peter did this but you you have to hope that there was some news from this because it kind of got washed away with all the Sim City stuff that was going on. Where everybody's like, "Oh, this is the new Assassin's Creed game." It didn't get that much news about it because everybody's like, "Oh, Sim City, it sucks." Yeah, Sim City has kind of obliterated the news cycle. Yeah. Which is funny because there's no news to report other than it's broken. Yeah. <laughs> It's just right. the news of how EA is trying to fix the brokenness. Yep. Andy, your uh, review? Okay. My review, when you think of Black & Decker, you think of power tools, right? Yes. And batteries. Would you think of coffee makers? Yes. Yes? Yes. Really? Because Black & Decker does kitchen appliances as well. Ah. Oh, I was going to try and pull one over on you, but it didn't work. I am reviewing the Black & Decker Brew & Go Coffee Maker. It's only 18 bucks. Well, $19. So it... It's it's a personal coffee brewer that's under 20 bucks. It's a drip coffee maker for those times when you just need coffee and you don't care about the fancy pants French press. And I love it. I actually know that Brian also has the same coffee maker as well. So last time we were over there for the book club, I was like, oh, look, it's my coffee maker. It's um drip coffee maker. It's built. Hmm? It makes coffee. Yeah, it makes coffee. Okay. What else is special about it? Um, well, I liked it for the price. So you now, tried... Hmm? I'm sorry, did you say it's also more portable? Like it's smaller than a gigantic coffee maker? Well, it's pretty small, yeah. It's not that big. It also ha- comes with its own 15-ounce uh, travel mug that's built for the thing, so you can... So you can make coffee directly into the mug? Yes. Pop the lid on and you're good to go. Now, it's not one of those fancy pants travel mugs that's completely <laughs> spill-proof. One of them newfangled travel mug things. 
but it's not bad. It's it's also I've got a nice uh, 15 ounce ceramic coffee mug that I can do if I just want coffee in here, so I don't have to always use the travel mug. But it, it's I like it. It's eight it's eighteen dollars now. Um, it has a permanent filter like all of them do, mm-hmm. but I still prefer to actually use the uh, paper filters. Helps with cleanup a lot. Because you just throw it out. Yeah. Um, but it's specifically built for the number one size paper filters, which good luck trying to find those anywhere. So my tip is actually buy one pack of the number one coffee filters, Mm -hmm. which you can find on Amazon for like four bucks or something like that. And then just keep buying the number two size coffee filters and then use the number one as a template to cut it down to size. Or you can just buy the set of 40 number one coffee filters for two bucks. Where'd you find that at? Amazon.com. What? They were a lot more expensive before. <laughs> Would you like the link, Andy? No, I've got plenty of number two coffee filters I have to go through first. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's, here's the link anyway. So yeah, it's it's a very cheap coffee maker, but it makes coffee. That's all oh, you really need it to it do. Even is linked with the Black and Decker coffee maker. Oh, look at that with travel mug. Okay, it's two dollars, but it's three seventy shipping, Dave. Okay, so it's five dollars. Five dollars, almost for, six dollars for forty coffee filters. Okay, you can buy a hundred. How much is your ones. time worth? I don't know. I've never actually figured out that calculation. Yeah. So so but, Andy likes his coffee maker. Yes. Okay. And just there's another option out there for people who are looking for a coffee maker besides the french press yes which is the correct way to make coffee like i said this is the time where you just need it to make coffee and you need a travel mug it's all yep. in one so there you go that's my review okay anything Random you want to add to it I, I don't have one so i can't really add much i i have a hot water maker now mm. a kettle as it were for your tea for my tea at work you probably actually could do that in here just not put any coffee in the coffee maker and just let it do the hot water yeah but then it tastes like coffee it tastes like really watered-down coffee because the, the coffee gets into the pipe. Well, how often do you clean your coffee maker? Uh, not very. <laughs> I don't really clean mine once a month. Like you flush out the pipe? Yeah. Oh, cool. Vinegar, baking soda, water. It works. That's yeah, right. More, more work than I want to put into it. Random topic. Random topic. Rolled ahead of time. What type of radio stations do you listen to? Dave? My, my guess is actual radio stations. Hey, it just says radio stations. Dave? I listen to a lot of Pandora. Uh, but I, I, I'm sure they mean real radio stations. Uh, in New Jersey, we don't have great radio. Uh, we used to have an incredible alternative rock station uh, that got taken off a few years ago. So I, as much as I hate to admit it, I listen to a lot of just like top 40 stations because I like that music a little bit more than country. Um, really? There's country stations in New Jersey? There's country uh, stations well, country, uh, New, The bottom tip of New Jersey is below the Mason-Dixon line. Oh, okay. And they celebrate that fact. Uh, There's country music everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, but it's a. Uh, so I, I don't listen to a ton. I mean, honestly, I listen to more podcasts than than radio. But when I do listen to radio, it, it's dance or top forty. Dave, I listen to an incredible amount of NPR. I mean, that's that's pretty much it. That's what I listen to on the radio. NPR. I guess I should. I'm sorry. I guess I should say I do listen to a bunch of NPR, but it's all in podcast form. I guess that line is actually blurrier than it seems. On the traditional and, and internet radio front. Mm-hmm. I mean, does it matter if you listen to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me when it's being broadcast or when you want to listen to it? Yeah, I guess that's true, when, especially when the content is identical. 
Right. I, I love Planet Money. Uh, I love This American Life um, and the rest of the stuff in the, those, that suite of programming. Uh, I do catch when I can. You know, for someone who works at a radio station, well, is volunteering at a radio station and has a degree in TV, radio, and film production, I don't listen to that much radio. I uh, I think it was just the fact that driving around in the bends for so long... Without the radio? Without the radio. I just got used to listening to podcasts. Well, but do you listen to any podcasts that were originally broadcast on the radio? Not anymore. I used to, but then I didn't have as much time in the car as I used to. So that was the thing. When I was working for the Census Bureau, I was in the car for eight hours a day driving around. So I had plenty of time to listen to things. But now I've got like a 20-minute commute, and that's it. So I've been listening to the podcasts. I've been listening to podcasts about radio. Like there's podcasts that are specifically about radio engineering and that sort of thing. So I'm sort of listening to that. I listen to the station I volunteer at every once in a while. There's some decent, there's actually like chip tunes and video game music on a couple of times a week. So I listen to that if I'm around. But I don't listen to that much radio. I think uh, uh, if I'm over here. Okay, so, so let me pull up iTunes real quick. Okay. And I will explain one reason why I don't listen to that much radio at this point. Once iTunes loads. Anytime now. Come on, iTunes. So this is a problem. I actually use iTunes. There it is. Uh, music library. Well, is there anything other... I, I have I... 39.8 days of music on my iTunes library, and I have not even finished migrating my music over to it. <laughs> Well, if you think about it, where do people listen to the radio? In their car. In their car. Well, now that you've got a jack for your iPod in the car, now that you've got Pandora built into your car... Don't need the radio. Is this going to be the end of radio, is the fact that we now have internet-connected cars? Video killed the radio star, right? No, I think it's the internet killed the radio star. Internet has also killed the radio star. The internet has also killed the cable broadcast star. I mean, so much radio is lowest common denominator programming anyway. It's yep. like, I love NPR, um, but like every local station out of New Jersey, the ones that are left, because obviously most radio is syndicated anyway, yeah. they're terrible. Like, to, to have to listen to the people are bad. Now, there's a few that are good. But it's not. I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't shed a tear if all the internet if all the radio disappeared. I'd I'd be a little bit bummed out, I guess, because I do listen to it occasionally. But I Pandora in my car. That's what I use most of the time. If the programs were still there, I wouldn't cry if the radio stopped. Yeah, which most of the stuff that we enjoy listening to, you can probably already get on a podcast. Yep. The one problem with podcasting, though, is the uh, immediacy of it, if that makes any sense. Like, yes, we're recording on Sunday, I'm going to post this tomorrow, but there's still a production delay in it. There is, but a lot of programs do their stuff live now, they, live with video. So it's you have, like, the best of all worlds simultaneously. Oh, they, they broadcast it live on Ustream and then yeah. put it out oh, yeah, as a yeah. podcast? No, I, I, um, I, I'm very heavy into, into eSports, uh, StarCraft II League of Legends. And, and so they all have podcasts, like any other market. And most of those uh, on you know Justin TV, Twitch.tv, they will film their podcasts so you can watch it live. And 10, 20,000 people will do that. And then they put the audio podcast on. Hmm. If we so. did that, I'd actually have to put on... No actual clothing. <laughs> Andy! I'm in my pajamas. Uh, so am I. <laughs> because people can't see me, I'm just gonna tell everyone I'm wearing a business suit. Oh Ooh. yes? Well, I'm wearing a tuxedo. I'm wearing a pajamas. I'm yeah, pajamas. I, I wake I up and crawl across to the office and record with Andy. I'm absolutely in my pajamas. Best way to do it. 
got to be comfortable. Yeah, well, I have a whole, I have a day of uh, programming ahead of me, so you can poor, poor thing. It's better to be, it's better to be comfortable in my home office when uh, I'm not going to be leaving the house. All right, but we're going to have to leave this podcast. So, Dave, before we go, what site are you going to pimp this time? <laughs> it is lightweightrpg.com. Uh, you can find out information about our book. You can get the, the you can buy it from there. Uh, our sales vendor is actually Drive Through RPG, but there's a link on lightweightrpg.com. Uh, they're a great vendor, and everyone's been very satisfied with the service. Uh, if you order the book, you get it in about the week, so shipping time is also pretty good. We're going to be at PAX East, March 22nd through the 24th, at booth C802 in Tabletop. Uh, come talk to us. We'll have pins to give away. We'll be running demos, and we will be selling the book. Awesome. Nice. Well, good luck with that. Thank you. Hope it is successful. Looking forward to having you on probably in less than a year. <laughs> we'll aim for less than a year. We'll aim for something less than a year. Uh, thank you very much, Dave. It's been a pleasure. Oh, it's always great to be on the show. All right, that's a wrap. This has been another episode of the Random Access Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, corrections, suggestions, remarks, reviews, rebukes, retorts, or just rants, feel free to contact us. You can find us on Twitter at RAPodcast, or send us an email at mail at RAPodcast.net. Thank you for listening. Thank you.